0: And now, here is our message. All right! Wow! Life in the house today, huh? Man, if there isn't enough going on. So, thank you to the balcony people. You made it. You're to the sermon. Only two hours left. It's awesome. I'm kidding. I'll never fit it all in two hours. Um, no. So we're we're continuing our series in Colossians called Colossal because the change that Jesus brought, which is what this book is about. The colossal change that Jesus brought to the world, to to us as people, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. So much so, we have to tell other people about it. A lot. So yesterday, Lauren just said it, we uh, we got a call, actually, this is really neat. So last few years, if you don't know, the police do this thing called the National Night Out. Anybody here ever heard of that? And uh, Lockport Police have been doing it. Well, we've been a part of it for... Uh, Uh, Well, uh, since we launched, since even before we launched, and originally we helped them hand out ice cream, and then a few years ago, uh, we helped them hand out somebody else's ice cream. It was great. And just down the line, and then this past year, they called and said, would you be a part of it again? It's going to be even bigger. It's going to be the high school parking lot. Sure. You want us to do ice cream? No. Cold Stone's coming. They're selling some. Should we hand out waters? No. Other people were handing out waters. Great. Great. Well, we look forward to standing there. Standing there. Um, and, and I said, well, we did this one year, too. We could hand out school supplies. They're like, that would be amazing. So the Greenens, huge shout-out to John and Sylvia Greenen. They, yeah. We gave out something like 30 to 40 backpacks. CC showed, showed up later with a few more as we were running out and uh, a whole bunch of school supplies, upwards of what we did is we shot for about 100 kids or, or 100 families worth, and, and we gave away a lot and told a lot of people about Thrive and Jesus, and so that was a great day. Uh, CeCe's having the event next Sunday night right on Lincoln Landing, uh, an, evangelist, uh, an evangelism event, Jay Peters, he's a, kind of a regional evangelist here, he's going to be doing it, and it's going to be awesome for those who want to go, is it 6, 6 o'clock Sunday? Yep, six o'clock Sunday night next week. Lincoln Landing. Our worship team is going to be doing worship there. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and and this is all why because because Jesus changes everything, and He changes it just a colossal change. He transforms everything. That's what Jesus does. I think I told you a few weeks ago, we were in a meeting with, uh, with, with some people who were, were not believers, and they, they said, well, do you try to change people? Like as a church, do you, do, do you try to change people? And I, you know, God, God some kind of, sometimes gives you the download of what to say. And it, just in that moment, I was like, we don't change anybody. Jesus changes us. Nobody tries to change anybody here. Jesus does that work. So if you're like, I don't agree with this and that and the other. Cool, you don't have to. We didn't agree with a lot of this stuff either when we met Jesus. And then he made us like him. And that's what Colossians is about. And, and as we become like him, then the book of Colossians, the problem was Paul writes this letter to this church in the city of Colossae, that's why they're Colossians, uh, and he writes to them and he's instructing them because they're getting into some weird stuff, right? Right? Anybody here ever seen somebody go to church and they get weird? Don't point. <laughs> Never point, okay? You're like, they're next to me. They're here. That's why I'm here. I don't like it. Okay, it's cool. But but that's what's happened. They got weird. But then, then they started getting the, the wrong. There's good weird, then there's bad weird. You know, the good weird is like the person who gets really healthy. And you're like, that's great. Then the bad weird is, I don't know, they... they don't pay their taxes anymore because government i don't know right so and 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 he starts instructing them and then he talks to them about christian living and that's what we're getting into today and and redirecting them towards how to follow follow god and it can be overwhelming the truth is when you come to jesus it's the 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 living well sometimes feels like the living water like fire hydrant, (laughs) you know? It's just so much when you first come to know God. When you're first in church, when you're first reading the Bible, it's like, whoa, this is a lot. I remember uh, the the last church I worked at, uh, you guys, you'll appreciate this, so uh, friends visiting us today, I remember the very first staff meeting I was there, they walked through the year-long calendar of every event that church had. And all I could think was, I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) Because they just had so much going on. And because of every church I had worked at, I thought I had to work everything they just talked about for the next... Th- I didn't. I didn't. It was no nothing like that. But immediately I was like, whoa. Because every other church I worked at, I did every job. <laughs> it was a blessing to come to a church that I didn't have to do every job. It was amazing. <laughs> really. I get to do like one or two things instead of 27, you know. and And... But I was overwhelmed. Anybody know that feeling? Just the feeling of being overwhelmed. Like, what do I do? And that's sometimes what it is to come to Jesus. And so Paul begins to try and unpack it and help, to the, help explain to them, so this is what it looks like to follow God in normal, practical Christian living. Okay? So we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 25. We're going to finish chapter 3 today. And, and here's what he says. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Have a great day, Fly. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I just had to. Oh, oh terrible. <laughs> husbands, love your wives. I love how Paul's like, you guys are bad at this. <laughs> love them. Wait, what? <laughs> Love your wives. Well, why do we have to teach that? And never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Um, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. We're going to unpack all this. Everybody take a deep breath. <laughs> all right? Try to please them. All the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you're serving is Christ. But if you, don't, if you do what's wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you've done for God has no favorites. Right? So we're just going to go verse by verse, but he's basically, he's offering up this, this balanced, healthy Christian life here. So let's, let's do the first one. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's really quiet in here. Because <laughs> nobody, right, this is, this is the moment most pastors invite their wives up to teach on it. Why? Because they're a wuss. <laughs> And they just won't say, let's, let's talk about what this means and what it doesn't mean, and, and etc. So the first thing, uh, the first thing I do want to note, men, what's the first word there? Men, what's the first word? Say it again, men. Wives. Wives. One more time for the men on this side of the room who didn't hear me. What's the first word? Wives. Okay, so this is not to you. Don't use it. <laughs> And if you do, I guarantee from bad past experience, (laughs) not recent, way long ago, (laughs) it will not go well for you, (laughs) okay? What does that mean, wives submit to your husbands? Well, first, it means it's not as simple as you do what I say and that's it. Here's what it isn't, okay? We'll talk about what it is. Here's what it isn't. It is not misogyny, okay? Okay? Misogyny, what is misogyny? All right, we have Webster's Dictionary hatred of, aversion to, or prejudice against. Okay, and if you're married and if you have that, you're going to have lots of problems. Okay, now here's the thing it is not about men lead and then women shut up and be quiet, etc. etc. If you've met my wife, you know I am not opposed to strong women okay and when i do i wake up hours later in kind of a delirious state wondering what happened okay that's not how this works okay how this works is god ordained certain levels of leadership we've talked about this at thrive leadership is from god it is not demonic it is not chauvinistic it's not put, it's not uh, the patriarchal it's a god design right you know, it's that joke on The Office, like, oh, yeah, well, every, every great band had two, you know, two, or great team had two great leaders, you know, or two great presidents, or two great quarterbacks, right, at the same time. No, there's a head, and then we would argue, like in this case, it, it, and Ephesians talks about it, we're going to go there in a second. It says that the man is the head of the home. And then, so what's the wife? She's the neck. So without her, don't turn, because you can't. <laughs> And if you do, you might die, okay? But here's the thing. What if I said, but here's the cultural lie, is that no, 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 we're 100% equal in every way, shape, and form in the home, and and, I, and I, I, he's not over me, and I'm not over him, and it's 100% equal every way, everywhere, and all things. First, I would tell you, that's not true anywhere, in anything, anywhere on the earth. And those who were being sold that cultural lie, were being sold this lie of, you know, equity, right? That's now the new term. Not equality, but equity. Forced equalism. Everything has to be the same for everybody everywhere. That's also called socialism or communism. That's where it's going, right? But the problem is, it doesn't work. Because our will is greater than somebody's will being pushed upon us in many scenarios, Right? That's what often happens. So, but we believe, we begin to follow Jesus, and we begin to conform our will to his, and say, all right, where do I gotta follow you, and what can't I? So what is, what is that wife's so, so does my wife lead in our home equally? In many areas, she does. And in some areas, I completely defer to her leadership. It is a back and forth. Ephesians says it's this way. In 5.22, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body in the church as the church submits to Christ, so you should submit to your husbands in everything. But here's the thing. It goes on later to tell husbands, you submit to her as well. You serve her as well. He tells husbands, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, you love her like Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? Yeah, he died for her. So... Women, lucky, you don't have to die for us. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to lay everything down. And you're basically to be like, all right, he wants to turn left, fine, turn left. <laughs> you know, that, that's that's kind of what it is. But here's, here's, here, here's how I would say culture has infected us as believers. Now, if you're like, I'm not a believer, so I don't agree with this. Cool, relax. Nobody's going to make you to. This is two Christians. You're like, oh, I'm not a Christian ignore it. <laughs> you don't have to listen. But if you want to follow Christ, this is something that you begin to walk out and you figure out what it means. It's not going to be something that's easy and quick, okay? And, and you do this over a lifelong marriage, okay? It's a delicate dance. But what if that verse had said the other way, "Husbands submit to your wives. Here's what would happen. Every woman in this place would be like, yes, finally. And every man would be like, all right, whatever. That's fine. But if I said that, nobody would be offended. Why? Because we've been sold a lie that male leadership in the home is somehow evil or wrong. And it is not. It's godly, and it's awesome when it's healthy. When I'm willing to serve my wife, love her, do whatever I can to lay myself down for her, and pray with her, and lead my kids, and walk with them. First, that can make it easy for a woman to follow, right? Is it easy to follow great leadership? Right, and we don't even think of that as submitting. It's easy, and it's a blessing. That's what men are supposed to be. Now, here's the thing. I do think there's, just like, right, if we go back to Genesis, we're going to see something in the Garden of Eden. We're going to see two people who disobeyed God. One was Adam, one was Eve. You're like, I don't believe that account. Fine, just hear me out. Adam and Eve. What did Eve do? Eve bought a lie that God promises more. Or that there's more than God promised, I should say. Adam was silent and wouldn't lead at all. Wouldn't speak up. Wouldn't say anything. He just caved in on himself. He was silent. He, what did he do? He's took, he, he took a step back. And it was unhealthy and broken. And both of those were broken. The same line pervades in us to this day. We as men retreat when we shouldn't. And women will take leadership in a home when the man won't. And sometimes when the man will, thinking, well, he's not going to do it, so I'm going to. Well, he's not doing it right, so I'm going to. Here's the thing. If God set up men as a head in the home, and again, that's a loving, serving leadership, not a domineering, chauvinistic, misogynistic leadership, but a loving, serving. What, what does it really mean? Like at thrive. You didn't see me up here much today because I don't run all this stuff. I don't run greeters. I don't run nursery. I don't run the sound booth. I don't run worship. I've handed that off. I defer to all of them. But at the end of the day, if Reichert decides to gamble all his money away and leave his wife, that still falls back on me as the pastor and the leader. Does that make sense? Will he be accountable? Sure. But as the leader, I've still got to carry that ball. The same thing's true in the home. Right? Are you following me? Are you with me? What this really is, is a blessing for, for, for a woman to say, you don't have to carry the load. That's not your job, to carry this whole thing. And men do better. Matter of fact, as we've said, men are like tractor-trailers. We're better with a heavy load. We drive straighter. Men need responsibility. Men need to lead. And if they don't, they're a disaster. If they don't, they're not men. Now that, again, it's not chauvinism. It's not, this is what we're going to do. I just bought seven cars and you're going to like it. You're not leading in that moment. You're retreating into your wants and desires. There are men who lead from their hobbies. And if, if God set this up, and I've seen this to be true. If God set it up, it's, not, it's, it's already a law. It's already happening. So if, you don't, if men don't lead in their homes and women are like, I'm taking it, that's how the man is leading. Anybody here ever work a, a bad job with a bad boss? Or, or bosses that like, they just, they just do terrible. They're just not there. They're like, this guy's vacant. <laughs> I'm staring through him to the drywall. And the drywall's more authoritative, (laughs) right? In that moment, in that moment, that's how that person in that role is leading. Are you following me? Are you tracking me? So if you're like, I'm wrestling with this. Hey, wrestle with it. I'm not Jesus. I'm a man. But take it back and bring it back to him and say, God, what what are you saying about this issue? But it's a balance of leadership and service back and forth all the time. And let me just say this. I'm going to wrap this section up, then we're going to beat on the men for a while. Okay? Submission for a, for a woman is a heart issue, not an identity. That's what you've been sold. You've been sold, if in something I follow any man's lead anywhere, I'm somehow less than. And that's a lie from hell. Have you been less than at your job or somewhere where somebody told you to do something and you carried it out? Anywhere? Anybody here have a gym teacher said run laps? You have a run in laps and you're like, I'm not a person anymore. No, because that's dumb. Nobody thinks that way. Now, that being said, we don't lead our homes like we're a gym teacher and tell our wives what to do. That's not what this is. This is a, it defaults back to them. So it's not an identity, and to follow well doesn't make you less of a woman, but a greater one. What does that look like? I'll, I'll give you a couple examples, and I'll move on. And again, you wrestle with this. You don't have to take me at my word. Take the Bible at its word, okay? Wrestle with God, not with me, okay? You want to talk to me about it later? Great, my wife will be right next to me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> When we've bought a car, I've never made large purchases alone, and I won't. Most even small. Basically, if it goes over 100 bucks or 200 bucks, we talk about all of it, everything. We don't do different checking accounts. Unhealthy. We don't think that's wise, right? And we, I defer to my wife actually on a lot of our finances because she's way better with money than I am. Relax, the church's money's fine. Okay, so, and, and just down the line. But at the same time, there were seasons where I was like, God's calling us out to go over here. And she wasn't getting it. Now, that being said, when God told us the to plant a church, he told me in 2004. He told her in 2014, 15. But you know what? I didn't say, well, hey, God told me. Deal with it. I said, hey, God's been dealing with this. With me. This is in my heart. Just pray about it. He'll reveal it to you, to you when it's time. And when he revealed to her and she had peace, then it was like, now I know. Now it's time to go. Do you see what I mean? Does this make sense? Okay. Next part. Husbands, love your wives and never be harsh. This is going to be shorter, but it'll be stronger. In Ephesians 5, it says it this way. Husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands, love your wives as they love their own bodies. For the man loves his wife actually shows love for himself. And this is in a time where in Jewish culture... Colossae, not so much. But in Jewish culture, women were more like property. And Paul says, you don't get to, you don't get to be that kind of husband anymore. So if you're like, that per- first part was chauvinist. The second part was the breaking of chauvinism. It was saying, you have to treat your wife with the honor that Jesus did. So what did Jesus do? Well, let's see. He was nailed to a cross, <laughs> He was mocked, despised, and rejected, left alone and deserted, and paid it all. Husbands, if you haven't done that yet, you've got some work to do. (laughs) Right? None of us have. We're all still here. We're all breathing. None of us are dead. Okay? So God still is working on you. Here's another way to say it. Let's just say it this way. If Jesus would do it for you, you do it for her. Just leave that up on the screen for a minute. If Jesus would be willing to do it for you, would you do the same for her? One thing that I came early on, thankfully, even before I was married, I was it was drilled into us. Divorce is a four-letter word, and we never say it. It is not an option. Take it off the table. Could Jesus divorce his church? Never. So I can't either. This is covenant, and I'll do everything I can to lay every inch of me down till I'm totally dead to myself and honor and serving her because this marriage is a reflection of how Jesus feels about us. And I'm supposed to look like to her what Jesus looks like to us. So, if you're still wrestling with, I don't like wives, submit... Believe me, you've got it easier. (laughs) Because we're meant to say, I'll lay down everything down for you. Except, of course, Jesus. Right? If you're like, great, worship the devil with me. No, we draw the line there because Jesus has our hearts first. But everything else, yeah, whatever you need. If tomorrow my wife said to me, I can't be in ministry. And we're called together. That's not even in our anywhere near true But if she said, I can't be in ministry anymore, guess what, we're not in ministry anymore. Because it's not about this and it's not about me, it's about us and Jesus. That's what it comes down to. A husband says, I'll do anything for you. I really will. Anything that doesn't compromise our relationship with Jesus, I will do for you, over and over. Now here's the thing, we're not Jesus, so it's not nearly as easy, right? It feels harder. Like, I'm not perfect. I'm not sinless. I'm not God. I'm not deity. True. But if you accepted Christ in your heart, He is living there. And He wants to transform you and change you and make you like Him. And if He can do that in you, which He can, that's what He does. They can make you an amazing, I, I, I don't know another way to say it, okay, Then amazing, and I mean this in a much more spiritual sense, lover. So you can love her. Everywhere. How do we do that? There's a lot of different ways. But if you're like, you know, there—and there are, are there compromises? Of course there are. Because we serve one another. Ephesians talks about that. We serve one another. The same one that says submit to your wives also says submit to each other. It's both and. You can't make it either or. Husbands, if you've used that verse, wives, submit, you are already wrong. Because it's not addressed to you. You don't have to work that out. You have to work out this part. This part's much more difficult, and it causes much more of us to die to ourselves, to what we want. I met guys who are like, I have dreams. Well, you also have a covenant. Sometimes you've got to make a, make a choice. Which one do you want? You want to keep your covenant, or you want to fulfill your dreams, because what if you can't do both? I have some hobbies that I just really love. Great. Are they in the way of your marriage? Then you've got to move them. That's what Jesus did, right? Did Jesus stay on his throne? If I were Jesus, I'd, I'd stay in heaven. I wouldn't come to earth to save mankind. I'd be like, they're messed up. And the room temperature up here is perfect, <laughs> right? But he joined us in our junk. Some of you are like, well, you don't understand. my wife. I don't care. What I know is how much of a wretch and a sinner we all were, including myself, And Jesus loved me anyway. That's what a husband does. That's what Christian living does. Because for wives and husbands, here's the biggest point. Here's the biggest takeaway from this section. If you liked or disagree with all of it, here's the biggest takeaway. What we need to do is what we talked about last week. When it comes to marriage, we see through it an eternal lens and not just my marriage right here, right now in front of me lens. Now, we're not Mormons, you're not married for eternity, but this marriage is a reflection on eternity and impacts eternity. When you want to quit, when you want to bail, when you're like, they just don't get me. When uh, Fine. Do you stop, pause, and be like, God, what's your eternal view of this? So many times we don't do that. And it's easy, right? Man, when you're in the heat of a moment with a spouse, oh. It can get ugly. Nobody's like, you know, when they said, oh, man, you're the worst. You're not like, Jesus, what would you say right now? (laughs) Most times, right, we just be like, let me tell you a few things. Let's pull out the filing cabinet of the past. Here we go. Do you remember this time? The garbage can was here, but your stuff was here, you know. (laughs) I said spend this, and you spent that. We don't look at it in an eternal lens, but that's what Paul is calling us to. Saying, look at this eternally and not just temporarily. And then he goes on, children, obey your parents. Now this is a great one, right? We can all do this all day long. <laughs> I don't know if it actually is anymore because we've now trained our kids, to. we've trained our whole culture that children are just perfect, wonderful beings who can teach us all things. And, and we know nothing. We're idiots, and the children, they're the... Uh, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well. Let them lead the way. No, don't let them lead the way. I love our children, but they are stupid. <laughs> children are not smart. They know how to love. They re- take something from them they want. They do not know how to love. No, they don't. They're they're just wise. Children are not wise. If your seven-year-old thinks they're the different gender, they're seven. Give it five minutes. Right? How many of us thought McDonald's was amazing when we were a kid? Right? That's stupid that's not smart. Obey your parents. Proverbs 22 says this way, foolishness is bound tightly to a child's heart. A rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Now, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't spank your kids, and we're not into abuse of any kind here. But that being said, did we spank our kids a little bit? Yeah, when they were real little. Because there's actually psychological studies that said corporate punishment to a certain age, between three and five, is more effective. And I've watched the parents with their two year old who try and reason and understand them. (laughs) It doesn't work. (laughs) You know what the two year old's thinking? Here's what he's thinking, okay? Here's what a two-year-old's thinking if you try and reason with them and understand their feelings. Here's what he's thinking. I own you. (laughs) That's what he's thinking. (laughs) Now, look, as far as what you work out as home discipline, whether it's taking stuff away or timeouts or whatever, fine. That's, that's between you and your spouse and the Lord I'm, I'm not telling you how that what I am saying is kids kids are, kids are amazing and they will change your life and they can lead you in some things of course they can my kids are amazing and they lead me in a lot of stuff they're the best but I don't let them drive at 12 I don't let them steer because they don't know how to that's okay they're not supposed to yet Children, and this word is to you, and this is Paul saying it, God saying it through Paul. Obey, even when you don't want to. Two reasons. One, that's the real world. You're going to have to carry out a lot of things in life you don't want to do. That's reality. Speaking of taxes, right? <clears throat> I hate the taxes in Illinois. Hate them, but i got to pay them, right? You would say, oh, no, I'm not going to. Well, then you're going to prison, even Jesus told somebody to pay their taxes to Caesar. So take a deep breath and just do it. Children, obey your parents. But then it follows right up, and it says, right after that, it says, fathers, don't, exa- uh, don't aggravate your kids. Or, or another way of saying it is fathers, don't exacerbate them. Don't poke them on. How many people, don't point, okay, uh, could say, you know, all they do is just, my dad just rides me. He's just hard on me. He's just mean to me. He's just uh, whatever. I remember hearing stories, uh, Just and it's funny. We've come such a different way. Like, my parents are south side kid parents, grew up in the city, you know. And man, if, if, if you only got beat slightly, that was like, you're a really good parent. <laughs> you know, you work at Focus on the Family, Right? That wasn't good. We learned, and that's good, but now we're, we're swinging the other way. But the idea is he's teaching fathers hate because the truth is, as is men, just this is, this is not universal. It's just common, right? Men, we're more prone to get angry than we are emotional. Now, if you're like, well, not me, all right, cool. You're a little different, and that's okay, you know, but as a rule, And if you're more prone, it's just the way we process a lot of information. Men can be more prone to get angry, but we can also be prone to pass that anger down. How many of you, without raising your hands, say, man, my dad was hard on me? There are times he just exacerbated me. just, I was just never good enough. And Paul's teaching something here. That is not what our father is like. If you're wrestling with any of this, here's, here's the basic colossal truth of this section, of all of it, of being a kid, of being a parent, of being a husband, of being a wife. Be like Jesus. So how would Jesus be like a dad? He's a perfect father. He's angry at us sometimes, at, at our behavior and choices, but he's not harsh or cruel. Do you see, do you see the difference? And it's hard, right? Right? It's hard. it's hard when you're driving to church and your kid's in the backseat like, I'm turning the light on and off, and they're sticking their hands out the window, and somebody else is pulling somebody else's pants off, and all this is happening, and uh, I want a McMuffin, and they get to stop, and, and you're just trying to get to church. In that moment, nobody wants to be like Jesus, because Jesus has left the room. <laughs> in that moment, we want to be like, you know, possessed, the exorcism. You will stop it now. No. I know, because I had a moment like that on my way to church. <laughs> yeah, that happens to the pastor all the time. <laughs> but Jesus changed me, changed me so that I'm not harsh on my kids. The change that Jesus makes in us, it toughens up the right things, but it softens the, wrong, uh, the things that should be softened. Some of you don't know how to be a good dad because you didn't have one and you need to get to know your heavenly father who's just a real good dad. And some of you had the best fathers and guess what, they fell short too because they're not Jesus. Ever, I had a counselor say this once, it was pretty funny. They said, it's your God-given right to need to send your kid to counseling for something. And that's a joke, of course, but the truth is nobody's gonna parent their kids perfect. Nobody's gonna raise them perfect. Nobody's gonna do all this awesome top to bottom. No one. It won't happen, and you've gotta let it go. And if you keep fighting for that, you're gonna exacerbate your kids, you're gonna drive them nuts. No kid loves the parent who's like, Did you get, where's this A from? What? How did this happen? Now you'll never go to Harvard. (laughs) They get straight A's, but not today. Today is an A minus. Stop. Don't be harsh like that. Is God harsh with you that way? And some of you need to get to know the Father's love, who's not harsh, who's a really loving, good dad. Who's really kind and gracious. The section he talks starts talking about slaves, obey your masters, and and man that that rubs against us so, so much. And partially rightfully so, because this country, it's got a broken past, like every country. It's not shocking, but we're not the first ones who did the slavery thing, and we're not the last. It still happens in our world right now. Human trafficking is slavery. But that being said, it was a nasty, horrific part of our history. You should know that that's not what Paul's talking about. A lot of what he's referring to was an indentured Servanthood. Back then, they didn't have credit cards. So if you wanted to have money to live, you might have had to go to somebody wealthier and say, I will work for you, and and then I will owe you portions of my life. And that's, that's what you did instead of credit. It was kind of an indentured servanthood. And Paul's teaching even then, but you don't get to be like everybody else. This person who may owe you their life doesn't matter. You still treat them like Jesus would, and and those you're working for them, you treat them like Jesus would. What did Jesus do for us at every level? You be like Jesus. Stop looking it through the lens of just this, this guy who's over me, this terrible boss, this terrible person I'm in debt to, and this uh, th- these people, and, and this system that's done this to me, and this spouse that did this to me, and, and, and my parents who did, and Jesus. When you come to Jesus, your lens changes forever, and you realize nothing. And here's the coolest thing about this: you take abusive power away from someone when you serve with a willing heart. You ever? I've had a few bosses in my time where I I was like, "I'm going to earn it with that guy." I'll I'll tell you one story. I'm going to tell this story, and I'm going to begin to wrap it up here. Um. And worship team could come on up, but I was at the phone company for a few years, I was a phone guy that was back, before, before the things in your pocket, we used to do these things called landlines, you can find them in a museum but, uh, but I would install and repair phone lines back when we had them, and I had this boss, Brad and I was young, I was like 21, 22 Brad hated me <laughs> And he had a right to, because I was a young kid who just—I was not handy. I'm kind of handy now. I can do some stuff. Back then, I barely righty-tidy, lefty-loosey was like, let me write that down. <laughs> some of you are like, what is that? We'll explain it later. But, but, but back then, I didn't know how to use any of this stuff. And we had to, I had to go like school for like three weeks in trade classes of like, here's how to, here's how to bore a hole through cement and stuff. And I'd never used a drill in my life up to that point. All kinds of stuff. So, so you can imagine what kind of phone guy I was for Brad on his crew. (laughs) I was frustrating to Brad. A lot. I drove him nuts. And I remember God getting a hold of my heart and just being like, serve, honor, do your best. I wasn't enough. But serve, honor, do your best. And I'm in that moment and that's I'm not comparing this again American slavery is a different thing than what's being talked about here in the scriptures but the heart of service is not that's the same and I began to serve Brad and one day uh, one day there were cuts and I was being cut from the phone company and I had shared my faith a little bit with Brad and one time he came to church and that night he bawled his eyes out with his wife And then they never came back. So you're like, something must have been really wrong. You know? We went to lunch. He took me to lunch like my last, one of my last weeks. And he said, Brian, I need to thank you. You reintroduced me back to the church and back to God. And I was far from him. Now, I had no idea this was even happening in his life. He goes, I thought you were a young, brash, stupid kid, and I needed to teach you, but you taught me. And God got a hold of my life through that. Brad now, to this day, is a pillar in his church. He plays on his worship team, plays drums. I think he was just on like a Christian recording somewhere. Uh, I just saw it. And and it started with a moment of just serving with the heart of Jesus, just trying to be like, God, I, I know I'm young, I'm stupid, I'm probably driving him nuts, but colossally change me to love on this guy and serve him even though maybe he's not earned it. The heart of Jesus changes everything we do. It changes marriage. It's no longer about our partnership. It's about a, God, a God-given covenant that honors him and changes the world around us by it. It's no longer about raising good kids to go to a good college. The raising kids to walk with Jesus to change the world. And it's no longer about serving some church or, or just working at some place, work, but it's about learning to, to honor Jesus with the best and the worst above us, beside us, and below us. Some of you are employers. You're harsh with your employees. Ask God to change that in you. Treat them like Jesus would some of you are just flat out harsh on yourself. And in that moment I would say, do you treat yourself like Jesus does? Because that's what He wants to do. He wants to change you. Do you, and I'm not saying you love like, this isn't Justin Bieber, Love Yourself song. This is like, do you see you as Jesus sees you? with purpose and calling and love and compassion. How many of us want God to change us this much? I do. Change me. Make me like you. Make me not harsh. Make me loving. Make me willing to serve. Lay my life down. And raise my kids to walk with you and know you and change the world.